Hello, and welcome to the Permission to Succeed podcast. This is your host, Doug Heikinen. The Permission to Succeed podcast is about learning from and being inspired by people who found that point in their lives to throw all caution aside and just go for it. The genesis of this podcast is based on the great appreciation for the lives of Muhammad Ali and Dr. Martin Luther King and their world-changing impact. The podcast brought to you by Irish.xyz, the most helpful place for advisors to come to and grow their minds and businesses. Power your advice at Irish.xyz. And today our guest is Eric Metz, who's president of Spider Rock Advisors. Hey, Eric. Thanks, Doug. How are you? Well, how are you? Good. We're in Chicago today, and you've been in Chicago for quite a while, haven't you? Going on 20 years. That's great. Jeez. And Spider Rock Advisors is how old now? We are almost five years old. My goodness. So you, in the five years that you've since you started this thing, technology has come a long way. So let's talk about the emergence of technology and, and what that means in the industry. Sure. You know, I don't think uh, the trend is going away anytime soon, but, you know, technologies change our entire lives from getting out of bed in the morning from my iPhone to managing portfolios and workflows and and marketing collateral all in one. And how is it changing financial services and what you guys do? Are you a technology company or are you an asset management company or? Sure. So at the end of the day, we're an asset manager. Um, you know, our technology really enables us to do a lot of unique things, which is kind of a large differentiator for us. But, you know, the markets that we are investing in, the markets that we are trading in are predominantly listed derivatives and options. Um, and it, so it's a very technology intense business. And that infrastructure and technology allows us to do things to quote unquote democratize the solution sets that have historically only been available for ultra high net worth and institutional. And do you see the landscape of technology even getting better for the industry, changing, accelerating? What's going to happen? You know, I think it's tried to commoditize different components of the value chain within a financial advisor's life, right? And so if you can really, I would say, codify, for lack of a better phrase, certain processes or you know, value propositions uh, where technology can do that, then, you know, it's been brought to market by, you know, entrepreneurs and organizations alike. But at the end of the day, you know, the relationship side of the component and kind of the financial planning and estate planning, especially as tax laws are always changing, um, you know, technology can do only do so much. Um, and so that hybrid approach of kind of human embracing technology is really a focal point of our business, but most importantly, you know, I think is core to the industry in general. Yeah. So, the advisor themselves, how are they changing? Are they becoming more relationship oriented and outsourcing the asset management part um, due to technology and due to time constraints? And how do you see that happening? Sure, I think that there's a few answers to this. You know, the concept of OCIO or outsourced CIO is prevalent. Um, there are a lot of firms that specialize in it. But even with that as a kind of a, a business model, you know. Once you go outside, what are you an actual specialist in? Um, And so the outsourcing concept or build versus buy is utilizing your time, energy, resources, and bandwidth to the best of your abilities to, you know, for your practice or to service your clients. But at the end of the day, you know, we we specialize in uh, a very niche offering, that being derivatives and outsourced CIOs could be very niche. Uh, We pride ourselves in equivalently being an OCIO for derivatives, but most importantly, you know, figuring out where we can provide value for an advisor uh, is akin to, you know, build versus buy, like I mentioned, um, you know, for our unique offering set. 
So the technology and people like you who are niche experts help advisors be do what they do best, be work with people. Correct. And, and if, you know, if they want to focus on that, they can, or if they want to hire different components for that. Um, you know, like I said, our permutations and how we work with different organizations is, is many. But at the end of the day, you know, that relationship is owned by the client-facing advisor, and, and we try to embrace that. So what you guys do, um, how, are, how are you thinking about the capital markets landscape? You know, S&P is sitting roughly at 3,000. Uh, we touch new highs ever so frequently in, in most markets. Um, you know, 10-year yields are, you know, fluttering around 2%. So, you know, the fixed income landscape, I would say, is challenged. Um, you know, valuations are always subjective, but at the end of the day, you know, clients have been fortunate that they've been invested in equities, uh, whether it be 40% of the portfolio or 90% of the portfolio. So how to de-risk in today's environment um, is a large focal point of our conversations with our clients, given that, you know, turbulent times could, could be coming, uh, you know, down the pipeline here in the next couple of years. We've had such a fortuitous run post-GFC low ball appreciative uh, assets of all, all sorts. And so how to prudently take, um, you know, those, those, I would say, capital markets and, and position for the next five or 10 years is, is core to our business. So with so much noise out there, the inverted yield curve, um, the economy is at an all-time high, is a recession coming? What do you listen to? There's a lot of noise. <laughs> There's a lot of noise. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think focusing on what the objectives are is paramount in the equation and try to try to ignore some of the, the media talking heads, so to speak. Um, and so people that have a game plan stick to that core philosophy, um, whether good markets or bad markets, not altering that and being fickle in your decision-making processes is, you know, I would say the, the prudent approach. Um, and we facilitate that in the various, you know, different set of strategies to, to accommodate the advisor and their clients and what their objectives are. So how do you position client portfolios when the market's at an all-time high? It's, um, you get two different flavors. Um, you know, the baby boomer kind of demographic of, of hitting the brake, so to speak, and trying to de-risk the portfolio historically from equities and fixed income is, is I would say, a large focus of, of where we sit today. Um, try to provide income, trying to de-risk. But the problem with de-risking today is, you know, you're, you're really forced to liquidate equities um, by definition. And in doing so, you're sitting on probably a lot of embedded capital gains and you're facing a tax liability in order to do so. And so what we do effectively is, is try to retool the portfolio with some of our strategies and solution sets um, to strive where, where the client or the, the advisor is getting to from a risk profile, um, you know, through the use of listed options. Um, and so some people are very income focused, some people are very risk focused, but regardless, you know, I think our solution sets can appease those, you know, and doing that for a $250,000 allocation or a $25 million allocation and everything in between, regardless of which custodial back office the advisor or their enterprise is using, um, and then all the permutations, you know, that come along with that, you know, that's, that's what we've solved for operationally through technology. But the investment solutions driving that decision process in capital markets right now, like I said, have been very favorable. And so being prudent, you know, looking forward is, is core to our thesis. So we both grew up in Michigan. Um, I'm a little farm town near Toledo and you're go Flint. Blue. Go blue or go green. Oh, no, it's all blue. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? I'm a go blue guy. There you go. Um, what are your memories of that time and, and what are the, some of the things that influenced you? So I 
grew up in Flint, Michigan, um, very blue collar town. Um, you've probably seen it in the headlines of still today. It was on CNN. Yeah. Everybody's forgotten about Flint, but Flint, the water crisis was real. Um, I have a lot of family that's still back there, but you know, I think I I loved growing up there. I wouldn't have traded it for any place. Um, you know, you learn, I would say a blue collar mentality, um, growing up there. And, you know, I think that's true to being a successful entrepreneur and kind of keeping the eye on the ball and and knowing what it is you're trying to accomplish. Um, but like I said, very good influence, um, love the education, uh, still have a ton of friends, some that are still back there, some that moved away. Um, but you know, I, I truly am a Michigan man. Yeah. And you had some family up in Traverse city too. Yes. My mom's side of the family definitely grew up up there, uh, cherry farmers, um, at, at the core. And, uh, you know, we go up there from time to time. Cherry What were your influences that time, that time? People from Chicago have certain influences and I think people from Detroit do as well. Who was kind of on your wall or that you looked up to or. Bo Schembechler and Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. That's about it. That's about it. (laughs) (laughs) The team, the team, the team. So what, what, where did you go from, you know, after Flint, what happened? Sure. Went to school uh, down in Ann Arbor at University of Michigan, studied um, industrial engineering and then graduate school, financial engineering, uh, ironically, you know, pursuing academia through studying derivatives. Um, I got really bored really quickly. Who chooses that? Exactly. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Um, And so talked to my professor and wanted to figure out kind of how to apply some of the things that, you know, we were working on in school uh, and research. And, you know, he mentioned potentially going to Chicago to trade derivatives on the floors of the exchanges. So that's when I found myself kind of reaching out to a few firms down in Chicago, um, Chicago Trading Company, Susquehanna, Citadel, Peak Six, and, you know, found myself a Chicago Trading Company down on the floors of the Mercantile CBOE. Um, And that kind of spawned not only my uh, kind of professional career, but me physically moving to, to Chicago, I've been here since. Is the floor as crazy as everybody says it is? The stories were real. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they were good. Yeah. So the genesis for Spider Rock, did that happen on the floor? No, not necessarily. Um, you know, so I think there's a few things that kind of spawn this business model from idea perception. You know, the, the markets were very floor-based. They turned electronic in kind of the middle of the 2000s, almost overnight, two to three years, um, and went from an open outcry to a completely, you know, electronic-oriented, very fragmented market structure. Um, my partner, George Papa and Spider Rock, you know, were very early in pioneering some of their technology to facilitate this market structure. So, you know, I navigated around the proprietary landscape of Chicago post kind of the floors dying down and then became a client of his and then kind of saw the requests and the needs of advisors listening to them as a derivative strategist and portfolio manager through the years and answering, you know, how do I solve derivatives need A for client A and then derivatives need B for client B. And as you start to extrapolate all these permutations, understanding where technology and infrastructure could solve those, that was the genesis moment for me, Um, you know, Spider Rock and I kind of formed a joint venture of sorts uh, at my old shop, River North Capital Management. Uh, really tried that for a good six months, almost 12 months, um, before deciding to, to pioneer this, you know, with them collectively and, you know, left River North to pursue Spider Rock Advisors um, and kind of lead that charge in early 2015. So how do you take it from there and piece together a company with such a niche? You know, we've we've just listened to clients' requests and demands. Um, we have a conceptual vision of where we wanted to take this, uh, 
predominantly in automating uh, investment solutions, but the investment solutions have been born from client demand. So figuring out what it is advisors want, whether they're at TD, Fidelity, Schwab, UBS, Northern Trust, Pershing, um, and figuring out you know whether the accounts are taxable or around all of these things. You know that at the end of the day was what we were solving for. So the voids in the marketplace, if we can fill those voids. Uh, we thought we'd have a successful business, and you know, it's it's a testament to our clients giving us constructive feedback along the way. So this is the permission to succeed podcast. So was there times or a time in building this thing where you kind of looked in the mirror and thought, "There's nobody coming, man. I, it's it's me." I'll tell I'll tell you this: our largest client, uh, names refrain, you know, was acquired uh, at the time, and it set us back probably a year in the trajectory. Um, and so learning from that and kind of protecting your business, um, you know, clients are your most important asset. And so figuring out how to deliver them value, but also then thinking about how to diversify that risk, um, you know, was, was a monumental kind of milestone for us. Uh, so that was early in our, in our trajectory. Um, you know, we've been very fortunate. We have some of the best and brightest clients that we could have ever fathomed. We're humbled by that. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, thinking about how to, build a successful business has a lot of components that we did not foresee. Yeah. And did you have a support system around you? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, family first and foremost. Um, but even in the organization, as we've grown, you know, obviously running a business, you have employee turnover and, um, you know, that's been always a, a challenge to try to manage, you know, the, the dreams and ambitions of, of your entire team. Um, but, you know, I think we're in a good spot. I, we, lo- we love the team we've recruited today. Um, you know, and we've you know, had some pretty big milestones, pretty big wins the last six months. What have you gained personally from this whole journey up until now? Because you're, you're, on, you're on the plane now, this thing's flying. Yeah, we're, no, we're definitely, um, we've risen to the occasion. Uh, I think there's, I would say, some marketing awareness and credibility that we've been established, you know, over the last year. But, you know, the things that I specifically personally have learned, um, your team is everything. And your clients are your business. And so managing the team is, you know, the focal point for me on a daily basis. Um, and that augments the client, I would say, experience. And so, you know, if, if you can build a core team that knows exactly what it is our mission is and how we're trying to provide value to our clients that at the end of the day will flow through to the business. So where's Spider Rock going in the next couple of years? Ooh, big places. Um, no, we, I mean, in all honesty, we have ambitions to, to not only grow kind of the business and the offering set, but to really, I would say, just listen to the clients. And so the AUM growth that has spawned recently, um, we've been fortunate, is, you know, obviously a focal point for the business, but that has all been spawned from what it is our clients need and want. And so having an ear to them, answering to their demands, answering to how we can provide value with our current offering set and maybe even expand it further, um, you know, will be a prudent in that that approach, but, you know, it's been all spawned from, you know, what it is these advisors need and want for their clients. And if advisors want a clear picture of what you guys do, mm-hmm. can you put that in a nutshell for me? Sure. Uh, you know, I think our website, spiderrockadvisors.com, um, is, is a great starting point. Um, you know, I think our team has put a very concerted effort in building a collateral library that succinctly describes all of our solution sets. Um, you know, what it is we do is sometimes esoteric. That's why we have a business. That's why we have an opportunity that we're pursuing. 
But at the end of the day, what we've tried to do is not only democratize our solution set, but make them simple. Um, pictures speak a thousand words, our business is proof of that. And so trying to take out the jargon, trying to illustrate the merits of what it is we do each and every day, you know, is what our collateral library is intended to do. You know, so I would just suggest reaching out to, to myself or anybody on our team and our website can help facilitate that. Great. For all those ed- aspiring entrepreneurs out there who may be stuck or scared to take that next step, give any advice for them? I would say the following. Um, building a business has been more challenging than I anticipated. Doing it with partners that you respect and trust is probably paramount. But at the end of the day, you know, I think that the goal of solving something that's not in the industry is the most satisfying thing an entrepreneur can pursue. Um, and I still think we're doing that. So, you know, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Great. And maybe attacking each day with enthusiasm unknown to mankind. There you go. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much, Eric. It's really great to have you. Appreciate it, Doug. For everyone at iris.xyz and our production team, this is Doug Heikinen. Thanks for joining us.